Okay, so welcome to the Agility Transformation Podcast, Sue. I'm so happy to have you here today. Sue Bramhall is an Agile coach and a personal coach. So I'll turn it over to you to introduce yourself. Uh, thanks, Kelly, and it's lovely to be here today. So, yeah, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. Um, I guess an Agilist above all else, but I do run a small uh, consultancy um, where I, I basically roll out uh, agile transformations within companies and help them on their agile journey. Um, and in addition to that, personal coaching, uh, where executives or, or any mid-management people that are struggling within their organization may need some help. Mm -hmm. Well, what caught my attention about your background was the combination of agile and personal coaching. Because as you know, you were actually my assessor. You assessed me or I think... Maybe you helped me get ready for an assessment to be certified to teach an Agile coaching course. And so it's that combination of skills that you have that seems so interesting. So maybe that's a place to start. Like, how do you bring together Agile coaching, which unfortunately sometimes is just process coaching. How do you bring Agile coaching together with the, the personal coaching piece? And is that a good match or a not good match? Yeah, in fact, I think it's actually a great match. It's been quite transformational for me um, in the fact that agile coaches traditionally, I think, felt that they had to always be teaching and talking and, and showing, which isn't necessarily coaching, but more teaching and maybe even mentoring. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what's what's happened in, in recent times is, is that the actual personal coaching has, has come into the, into the sphere whereby instead of telling what people do, to do um, and telling them what the solution is, helping them explore themselves uh, what the solution is. And I think the main thing about, about personal coaching is the powerful questions mm. and, um, you know, and helping people think and reflect. And I think that aligned with the teaching and mentoring of agile methodologies is just really um, taking it forward. Um, it's amazing the transformation you see. People are really thinking for themselves. It's wonderful. It's dynamite. Um, and so you earlier had mentioned the topic of sustainability, which is also the topic of this podcast. So how do you tend to approach that in your work with organizations wanting to go towards agile? Yeah, I think that, that the st sustainability is always a challenge because it, it costs money. And I think, um, organizational uh, organizations feel that they can just go out and, and send their staff and some training and you know let's get agile but I think what's really key here is that it's not just about learning a methodology you actually um, sort of facilitating change in in people's way of thinking and so you know training an organization and then actually partnering that with with on on-site sort of uh, coaching and facilitation at least for for a month or so to make sure that those uh, concepts are instilled and people do really shift their thinking towards an agile way is really really important and powerful and i think often we miss that um, and it's not just about money and in fact it doesn't even cost a lot of money and if you think you you're shifting the, the minds of your of your people, it's really a minimal investment. Hmm. Interesting. So it's this mindset shift versus just 
training. Training just means you went to training. <laughs> to me, that's all it means. And when you talk about a mindset shift, like what in your experience are some key success factors to help bring about that mindset, mindset shift towards agile? I think, you know, initially you need to, to teach a little bit. So, so present the concepts to people. And, and like anything, it's like learning to ride a bike. You understand the theory in your mind. You think you can do this. But when you actually get on the bike mm-hmm. and ride the bike, you realize, okay, I didn't realize the balance. This is a little challenging. And so I think the way, way to do this is actually to get people to do something, do an agility exercise, actually really experience what it feels like to be agile. Um, and, you know, just talking about it and presenting and sharing, it really isn't enough. And I think probably in your own experience you found as well, by actually taking a group of people through um, an agility exercise where they've actually got to really do something, where they've got to estimate, build, and come out and feel what it feels like is so powerful. And that alone actually creates the shift. That and then aligning it to their own work environment, suddenly the light bulb seems to go on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting your words like um, aligning it to their own work environment because one thing I, I've done and I still do is if I deliver a training, first off, I don't call it a training, I call it a workshop because yeah. I try to make it interactive. And then there's always yeah. games and stuff, uh, exercises, but the challenge is that people typically don't come from the same team. They're from yeah. different teams And what I find really helps them internalize the mindset and what it feels like, in your words, is doing it with their own projects and their own materials. Yeah. So you're nodding. Tell me what's happening in the nodding. Yeah. I mean, when you're saying that, it's actually the workshop, like you say, you actually, it sounds to me like you're going on site or maybe similar to to what I'm doing, is actually going on site or hosting maybe a workshop or training for an organization as opposed to running a public training course where lots of different people will come because they want to learn about say scrum or kanban or or lean and agile and actually they don't have a synergy between them and and i don't think agility is like that it's an experience and i think in order to get that experience going on site and bringing in their real world examples and relating it, like I said, to work really um, drives it home for them. Mm -hmm. Well, that's so interesting that you mentioned the real world examples because I've been helping one of my clients design e-learning around agile. And in my experience, I hope no one gets offended, but e-learning is in my experience generally boring and useless. Mm. And one of the things that um, I've learned when I look at you know, the research around adult learning is that, um, that, that adults learn through experience. Mm. And so there's a saying content is king. And so I would say if content is king, then experience is the emperor. (laughs) Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a nice analogy. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and so, so when you're speaking to organizations about helping organizations figure out sort of, you know, what it feels like to do agile and build that sustainability in, they're going to want to know concrete things like, well, we have these 10,000 people 
Um, so what would, you know, a typical high level approach look like? I think what I've recently done, which I found really effective is to take a part of the business or, or a project or certainly involve the key stakeholders and maybe run a two-hour workshop with them mm -hmm. and ask them to bring me a project or a challenge that they have and actually say okay so what so what is the problem you're trying to solve what, what are your challenges and actually apply a, a light agile framework to it and actually explain to them benefits that they can get showing them using their own examples um, and obviously transparency is key um, uh, we know that agility is not a silver bullet, but having visibility of what's going on in your project is really useful and powerful, reduces risk and, and those type of things. And I think just for them to really think, actually, you know what, I'd love to see something in two weeks. And actually, even if it's failing, at least we know we're failing fast. And oh, I'd like to know, you know, where everybody is and what priorities are they working on? Who wouldn't want that? And I think once you show them in their own work environment, all these benefits, I mean, it's, it's really is a no-brainer. It's so worthwhile. It's so true. I mean, I've had the experience, I can't even count the times at this point where I do some version of what you just described and they say, oh, now we get it. And I thought, but I already explained that five times before in training, but explaining isn't mindset shift. <laughs> and it's, it's just completely different. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's, whatever you deliver to people, I think it's always quite important to try and associate it to something that they can relate to. Yeah. Because as soon as you use an example that means something to them, it really lands so much better than a hypothetical example that maybe has no meaning at all. Exactly. It's like someone can say, oh, it's like this thing I already know. Like, say you're trying to explain a pen to someone. Here's a pen. And you're explaining, explaining, and they just don't get it. But then you say, it's like a pencil. And they're like, oh, well, I know what a pencil is. Mm. So then what's the difference between a pen and a pencil? So then they're differentiating, like relative sizing. Is a chihuahua bigger or smaller than an elephant? Well, it's smaller. <laughs> we know that. Yeah, I was actually, that, that, that exercise actually came to my mind when you showed the pencil. And you're right, you can't, if you've got nothing to compare to, it's really difficult. But yeah, you just made a really great example of how comparing the two with something you know versus what you don't know, suddenly the light bulb moment happens, which is, is great. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you were mentioning the role of agile coach as being really important in sustainability. How would you describe the importance of that role? Yeah, I think the person that does that role really has to be quite um, tuned into people, but also obviously with, goes without saying vast uh, agility and, you know, experience and and working in across multiple organizations. But I think also be, being able to um, engage with people from top level down to bottom level, um, you know, and be able to deliver your message 
in the various different forms that, that it's required. And um, I think when you go on site and you work with an organization, you obviously want to be able to explain to the execs what you're doing and, and show them the benefits. But at the same time, you want to be able to jump into the team and help them initially um, on their journey. And, and there's always lots of questions and, and be able to, you know, be in that space and get respect at all of, all of those levels. Yeah. So I think... I think, you know, going on site and operating in that space is, is really important and getting to understand what their business is and what's important to them. So I guess Agilists first, but I think you probably have to have some real good insight maybe into software development and to businesses as a whole and, and what really people are trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that, um, what people are really trying to achieve. Like, mm. who's the customer? What's their top pain and gain? And if you're really successful six months from today, what does that look like? Mm. Which I'm sure you know is a, a question from the personal coaching or the International Coaching Federation. Yeah, so you want to um, help them elicit uh, the, the change uh, in the organization. It reminds me of a real life situation that um, I had to handle about Three months ago and I'm really curious how you would approach it um, there was a senior leader at one of the organizations that I work for that I consult for and they had a goal of training everyone in IT in their IT organization it was about 9,000 people um, and I said in the beginning and throughout I said is your goal training or is it adopting Agile? And they said, well, it's adopting Agile. So I said, what's obvious to you and me, which is training is different from adopting Agile. If you just do training, you're not gonna meet your goal of adopting Agile. You need other things like change management. And they said, oh, we have a committee for that. And so they had these siloed committees that were actually not talking with each other. Mm. Um, and so we did the best we could <laughs> um, and we ended up putting 9,000 people through, through training. Mm -hmm. uh, but then what was happening is they had a major reorg and, and now all the middle management were saying to the teams, we want you to be agile. And the teams were screaming like, we need an agile coach. We're, yeah, we did the training, but we're telling you it, it wasn't enough to help us go agile. We want to succeed. We want to go agile get us a coach. So we started a, actually a year-long internal program to this company for not just training, but developing internal agile transformation coaches. We didn't even call them agile coaches. We called them agile transformation coaches. And whatever agile gaps people had in the training, we said, go fill it in. <laughs> you, you do it and, and we'll fill in some of it, but we're going to focus on transformation, transformational skills um, and mindset. So we brought in the professional coaching um, curriculum, actually we created a whole curriculum around that. Um, but as you know, developing professional coaching skills takes years. Mm. You can't just take a workshop and then you're magically doing it. You might be able to do it at a very beginner level, like mm. powerful questions, but it takes, I mean, maybe I'm a slow learner, but it took me years 
um, to get to the level I wanted to get to. Um, and so the teams were just screaming and they're saying, if you don't give us an internal agile transformation coach right now, we're going to hire consultants from the outside. Um, and so they've started doing that actually. And those consultants are from different companies. So they're telling them different things. Mm. And um, the, the challenge that I had with the leader is um, that the, the leader didn't, see the coach role as um, he saw it as important for sure, but he, where we differed in our, I guess, understanding of an approach was how much time would be ideal for the coach to spend initially with the teams. And I said, well, typically what I've seen work is you have one coach full time for three or four teams. And if they're very new teams, two or three, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, for maybe a month, at least, like get them going, um, live with them, basically get in bed with them. Um, or, you know, an alternate model is one coach full time with one team for one or two weeks. Then mm -hmm. they keep that team and then they take on a new team. But at any given time, no more than four teams to one coach. And the leader said, I don't have budget for that because we have these 9,000 people. I'm like, wow, I get that. So we worked on creating communities of practice and stuff like that. But if you were faced with a situation like that, what would be some initial ideas that you would, you would want to try around that? Yeah, I mean, 9,000 people is, is quite, a, quite a challenge to take on. And um, I guess I'd, I'd apply a scalable approach. So I think probably in an organization of 9,000 people, it's, it's, it's quite a challenge. But for sure, I would have a champion. So somebody that's, that's the lead on this. And, and then I'd probably break it down into um, the groups uh, that you may have, business areas or whatever. Um, and then I would start to possibly assign a coach. So you know, say you had, I don't know what number, but say you had, say, 20, 10 or 20 coaches in an organization that was coaching X amount of teams, whatever the scale would be. But I think I've seen this happen here in some of the banks, and, and, and you mentioned it, and I think what's really, really key is that these people are aligned with the message that they're giving into the organization. And, and that's why I say you need a champion. So you need one version of the truth and that needs to filter down. And, and the reason for that is that people will adapt their own, their own way, say they were doing scrum. They'll adapt within, within, that, within that agile environment in that scrum. But actually at least you wanna all be talking the same language and, you know, if you start to shift people around in the organization, it's not about relearning how that part of the business does agility to this part of the business. Everybody's talking the same language. And then you can start working like a well-oiled machine. And with regards to budget, that's uh, obviously it's um, a universal challenge. And I think, you know, you could actually, if you were starting from scratch, you could probably pilot a team. Um, and, and maybe even use a team member inside to be, say, Scrum Master or Agile Coach, um, but make sure that they've been educated and, and you know, take the team forward slowly. Um, and then as they start to really prove and, and adapt, then maybe find the budget to actually employ somebody full time.
Mm-hmm. But I, would definitely, I would definitely scale it with a champion that's actually overseeing that that agility area um, and then everybody sort of falls in with that. So like I said, one version of the truth. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, it, it's funny, I get a lot of questions from agile coaches on how do I, as an agile coach, get the personal coaching skills, the transformational coaching skills. Mm. Um, and so I give workshops on that, but I'm curious on your perspective um, what is your background and how did you come to Agile? How did you come to personal coaching? Which came first? Mm. What's the story of that for you? Yeah, that's, uh, I suppose it's interesting. Well, probably to me. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, so I have a degree in, in uh, information systems. So my background's also be, always been working in IT. And I, I've trained actually software for many years. But then I worked as an analyst uh, for a long time and from from the analyst sort of started working in teams and I think I learned, um, I did a, a scrum course probably in I think 2006 and I think shortly after that I started to train and coach it because of my background and I think that's what I've been doing ever since is actually helping companies transform coaching people and then probably in the last two years I started to realize that we're missing a trick around how to coach people and how to help them help themselves yeah. and help teams to help themselves rather than giving them solutions mm-hmm. um, I think that's something I looked at in the last two years and actually I've never looked back you know the the mm-hmm. synergy as you know yourself between the personal coaching and the agile coaching is just so powerful oh yeah it's exponential mm-hmm. and and one thing I I've noticed in some organizations is that um, impressively, I think they're familiar with some of those transformational coaching approaches, but typically they're only familiar with one or two of them. And typically it's active listening and powerful questions. But you know yourself as an ICF certified coach that there's a list of 40 to 60 discrete <laughs> skill levels and areas that we are assessed on to even qualified to be certified. It's really intense. And so one thing I wonder is, you know, what are your thoughts on like how much or how little to, you know, share with new agile coaches or share with organizations because they can handle active listening, powerful questions, but even active listening, we go through exercises and they're like, that was really hard and it is hard, but it's a skill that gets easier over time. So then if it's so hard, I'm reluctant to say, well, here's these 50 other skills for you to now get overwhelmed. You know, so what's been your approach to that? Because I don't want to be stingy with them and I don't want to overwhelm them. Yeah, I I hear what you're saying. And for me, it's actually almost merged into my being Mm. as I approach everything in the agile space. So obviously there's a teaching side when you're actually training, but even that for me has changed because I don't deliver information so much anymore, but engage the audience in actually participating in the information. And right, there's so many skills, but I think, it's just really for me a shift in, in how I approach people in general and how when they present me with challenges, um, 
just thinking about it from their perspective and helping them to think. And I think the tools that, that we learn um, in the International Coaching Federation, I think you use them when you need to, when there's a situation. I probably don't use as many of them as I could or should because it's a time constraint usually. Um, so I probably keep some of the other tools to if I'm doing real personal one-on-one -on -one coaching. Yeah, yeah. Um, but certainly, I think it's the shift in your thinking and how you approach people where, where I see the benefit. And yeah, like I said, there's a time constraint. So it's not always easy to do, you know, use those. Mm -hmm. But I think you have to, you just go with your gut when you think like, actually, this is a real challenge between these two people. Let's try something like vision chairs or, you know, that, that kind of thing. So, you know, you apply it where you need to. Pull out the techniques. And what I hear you saying is that there's these foundational pieces of you know that you've changed how you think of people and i i've had the same experience that um you know i think one of the most valuable things i've ever learned is start with where people are not where i think they should be and usually where i think they should be is wrong um and you know you refer to you know understanding uh, looking at people in a new way. And, and that was another big shift for me as a coach of shifting mm -hmm. to the mindset of that, that individuals and groups are already naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. The, the Absolutely. Whole NCRW Absolutely. thing. Yeah. Um, my, my thinking is, you know, teams, especially development teams, because obviously um, we roll out Agile not only in software, but across organizations in, in different departments, yeah. but certainly in software teams. I mean, these guys are really smart. They code. They often understand the business better than the business people because they have to think at such a granular level. Yeah. And it's like coach, just by using coaching techniques and, and a different approach, you can get so much more out of your oh. team. I mean, they can really help your business uh, transform. It's really true. And it reminds me of a, a, an actual time when I was um, managing a, um, a uh, business analytics team. And these were like, PhDs in math and and they were introverts they loved what they did they would you know finish their work day have dinner have family time and then go back to work <laughs> because it's like candy for them what they do um, and I got in there and I I'm usually an introvert but I I love people I like to talk and no one would talk and I'm like what's up with you guys like what's the issue and after a while, I heard them laughing, and this was a 100% remote team, and I, I said, so I pulled out one of my International Coaching Federation skills, and I called, um, I forget what it was, anyway, I said, I hear laughter, uh, what's happening in the laughter? Oh yeah, the skill, that skill is blank access questions, you, you keep the sensory words out of there. What's happening in the laughter? No one said anything, <laughs> like dead silence. So I said, silence, what's happening in the silence? <laughs> Finally, somebody said, Kelly, look in the, the chat box of the meeting. So I look in there and they had been chatting the whole time. And there were jokes in there, there were just, and it was hilarious. And I looked in there and I remembered something else that fortunately I, I retained from my coach training, which is channels. Um, mm -hmm. communication channels, you know, is it visual, is it audible, is it movement oriented? And I realized, oh, 
this particular team has a, a, a preference for its communication channel and its writing. Or maybe mm. we'll just call it the chat box channel. It's and amazing. it was amazing. And, and, and so then we used it. So yeah, I see you nodding. So what's happening in your nodding? What's resonating for you there? I just, I think it's really great that you tuned into that because we often expect people to communicate the way we communicate yeah. and where we're at. And often exactly like you say, the guys are sitting there and you think nothing's going on, but there's a conversation going on in, the, in, in these channels. And, and that's often how people connect and they're more comfortable that way. And it's tuning into that kind of thing. So I think that's a lovely example that you just gave. Really yeah. Thanks. And, you know, you mentioned channels, and I think that people in different roles sometimes have different channel preferences, mm. but for sure, whatever their role, generally people have a BS meter, especially senior leaders, mm. um, and you've got to show up with integrity and in a way that's valuable to them. See, you had mentioned that sometimes in agile transformations, especially where it's training only, the senior leaders are, are not engaged. Um, say more about that. What's the importance of the role in senior leaders in agile transformations? Yeah, I think often what you'll find is, is that um, senior leaders feel that, you know, it's, it's, it's the company, it's the staff that need to attend the training and they need to get on and do, and do the training and they are not part of it. And um, I think what, what I'm finding, um, and I've had people me on this, is that actually more and more the leaders are feeling a disconnect because they don't really understand what's actually happening in the teams. And, you know, things like a gamble walk where, where they sort of go around and, and, and see people and touch base and actually engage. A lot of that stuff is really missing and it might not even necessarily be agile, but it's sort of really part of it because agile really does force people to be more face to face um, on a regular basis. And it includes management as well um, or, or senior senior leaders. And, and sometimes they don't participate um, and sometimes they don't necessarily understand really um, you know, what's going on because it's a cultural shift in their organization. And I really believe that they should be involved in the beginning. They should join in the training. They should actually, you know, come to some gatherings or, or meetups within the organization. And, and really, even if it's just to observe, to see what's really happening mm -hmm. um, within, the, within the organization. You know, it reminds me of a, an interesting story where, um, I was coaching a release train, so it was a team of teams, and we were starting with um, PI planning, program increment planning, or release planning. And we lined up this uh, CEO and the CIO to come, but just for the first five minutes. And they both showed up early, and um, we told them what we wanted them to do. You know, here's the context, you know, here's the message, tailor it how you want. And it made such a huge difference for the team to have them there. Um, mm. And the CEO chose to stay longer and observe. And initially people were nervous, but then, you know, they just got on with it. Um, and then we had breakouts in various rooms. And the next day the CEO 
uh, knocked on the door and said, hi, we have some visitors. Can we watch what you guys are doing? I'm like, sure, come in. And he, and this company had just gone public two months prior and he walked in with some Japanese investors. And I was very nervous. I'm like, oh God, you know, we had like pictures all over the wall. We had them on the floor. We had, you know, you know what that looks like. A very dynamic, creative environment. Um, And it worked out just fine. And and so anyway, it reminded me of of that example. So I think think also, you know, um, it comes back to the experience, to the feeling. of something where people can connect to an emotion or an experience as opposed to listening to some theory. And, and so the execs can hear it and understand it, um, what the agility thing is all about. But when they actually do it and feel it, yeah. they really get it. And it's yeah. phenomenal difference. It is phenomenal. Like even if you're in a two hour workshop, the execs can still make their own backlog with their own topics. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So if there were one thing that you could tell people who are just starting out in agile coaching or personal coaching or bringing those together, what would that be for how they could get started? Well, I think as an agile coach, if you're just starting out, um, I think, you know, your key focus is, is the team. And actually, um, it may be obvious, but there's a real difference between doing Agile and Scrum or Kanban and being Agile. And I think embrace yourself in it and really get under the skin of your team. Um, and, and alongside that, you know, even if you're not certified as a personal coach, um, research that a little bit. Because at the end of the day, this whole agility thing is about people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and about creating a, a high-performing team or even a happy team mm-hmm. um, where the, you know, things go wrong. And I think as a coach today in a team, I would actually really focus my, my energies um, trying to make and help them uh, you know, be the best versions of themselves. Um, and I think if you're, if you're a, a, a coach that's been doing this for, for a number of years and you're, you're looking for the next step, I would highly recommend doing some sort of personal coaching because it will just actually take your uh, agility career um, so much further. Well, thank you so much for your insights and your time, Sue. It's always a pleasure to talk with someone who combines those two skill sets so dynamically. So thank you. Well, thank you very much for for the interview. It's been really great. And it's been lovely to hear your experience as well and an absolute pleasure. Thank you.